0: Welcome to another episode of the ADHD Families Podcast. I am so glad that you are here. Today, we are going to chat to Dana Abraham. Now, she is a best-selling author. She is a National Board Certified Educator. She's a parent of three neurodivergent children, and she has ADHD herself. As you're going to see in this interview, she brings a unique and outside-of-the-box perspective to to parenting and raising kids in this modern world. You guys are going to love this. She is the founder of the popular parenting website, Lemon Lime Adventures, and she's an all-around beautiful human. She's going to share with us some practical tools today about parenting our kids with challenges. Um, She's going to share a little bit about her own ADHD journey and also talk to us a little bit about her new book, Calming the Chaos, a fail-proof roadmap for parenting even the most challenging kids, which is going to be released shortly. Let's do it. Hello, I'm Sharon Collin, and you are listening to the ADHD Families Podcast. I am a mum of three beautiful boys with ADHD. I love being a mum, but my home life was absolute chaos, and the stress of daily life had a terrible effect on my health. My husband had so many horror-filled stories of growing up with ADHD that I decided I wanted to change the experience for my little boys. So I got to work. And I systematically changed and streamlined my family's lives to suit the ADHD brain. And now that I have my family on track, I want to help yours. Do you want a life with your beautiful kids that is more functional, fun and full of joy? Let's explore together the wonderful and sometimes wacky world of raising kids with ADHD. I'm so excited to be talking to with you today, Dana.: I am so excited to be here too. Now I'd
1: love to know a little bit about what you do. Well, I help families create better relationships, specifically. I help parents and kids feel empowered um, and be able to advocate and work together, no matter how challenging of a situation they're dealing with. OK, and tell me a little bit about your story and why you do it. Well, um, I like to kind of say I was born into this. So I was raised as the sibling to a bipolar brother and he was extremely explosive. So I was the one that kind of had to deal with those explosions and got the aggression. So I had to figure out how to manage those big, um, big behaviors at a very young age. And I myself was pretty intense too, but um, his, his were the biggest in the family. And then I became a teacher and my favorite kids were the kids with a paper trail behind them. All the other teachers, you know, would look down on them or, you know, whisper about them in the teacher's lounge and they were my absolute favorites. So when I became a parent, I'm like, I got this parenting gig figured out. I, I know exactly what I'm doing. I'm gonna be the world's best parent. Um, And yeah, the universe laughed at me and said, Nope, (laughs) not going (laughs) to happen. So (laughs) Instead, I felt like the world's worst parent. um, And I felt all alone. My son was uh, kicked out of preschool by kindergarten, he was starting to get in trouble a lot. By first grade, he was starting to get suspended. And by second grade, he was suspended more days than he was actually in school. Um, And there was just a specific day where He had a really big meltdown again, and I talk about this in the book, so we won't go all the way into it, but um, the principal basically gave me two options. She said, you either take him home, figure out what's wrong with him, and don't bring him back until you do, which Mm -hmm. is illegal, but um, or you let this officer take him into custody. And so it was in that moment that it became really clear that we had to do something different, drastically different. And so I quit my job, I started homeschooling him and trying to figure out anything and everything I could to understand him better and support him more. And that morphed into me sharing that online and me, you know, really, I was desperate to know that I wasn't the only one that didn't know what they were doing. And so I didn't find one person. I ended up finding millions of people around the world. And so now I've taught what I've learned to other families with dealing with all sorts of challenges from everyday parenting challenges. Like my kid won't put on their shoes to really, really challenging ones. Like my kid is, you know, getting put in a residential treatment or getting kicked out of school. And um, and we've seen it work time and time again. And so that is, you know, that's how i got here and the why i do what i do is really because i don't want another parent to feel like i felt and another kid to feel like my kid felt
0: oh that's just so beautiful my heart like you know i I know that story (laughs) i feel it Uh, now i would love to know a little bit about your own journey with Mm
1: -hmm. adhd Yeah, so my journey with my kid in ADHD or my journey with myself? Oh, I'd like to know both if that's okay. Yeah, so my own journey, I mean, I grew up thinking something was just horribly wrong with me, but I didn't have any awareness or any words to put to it. I was incredibly incredibly emotional, uh so much so that my mom grounded me for crying too hard during a movie, um because it just would ruin my day. I mean I would cry so much, and so she grounded me from it um and and it was I was constantly like i don't I don't know all the things like I can't even put my finger on all of it, but I remember being in my bedroom and going like am I in the wrong body? Like, am I with the wrong family? Like, what, what is it that nobody's telling me? Like, I couldn't put my finger on it, but it just didn't feel right. And as I was growing up, I mean, I did well in school, got straight A's for the most part, but I never read a book until I was a senior in college. And, um, and I just listened to people's conversations. So I thought I was cheating. So then I just felt even worse because I thought, oh, I can't even read a book. What's wrong with me? Why can't I, you know, just do things like everybody else does? I didn't fit in in any situation. And it wasn't until I started helping my son and I started learning about sensory processing and started learning more about ADHD that I started going, huh, I think that may be me. And for a long time, I was like, I mean someone could probably diagnose me with ADHD. And then everyone in the room would be like, you think? And I was like, okay, all right. So maybe there's more to this than just me. And, and so I just have, as I've learned more about myself, the more I've just embraced that part of me. And I've had to figure out systems to help me thrive. So that, you know, it's not, oh, this is my, this is why I don't, don't do the things I do, or this is why I do the things I do. It's more of like, okay, this is why I do what I do. And here's a system I need so that I can thrive and be successful and, and do the things I want to do. Even if like my ADHD can cause things to be a challenge.
0: Oh, I love that. Now, if yeah. you are comfortable, I would like to know a little bit about your
1: family's journey too. Yeah. So, um, so with my son, is that what you yes. mean? Yeah. Yes. So um, I thought you meant my, my family's journey with my ADHD. I'm like, oh, they're still in denial. <laughs> um, but my, with my son, so, you know, when he was really young, I mean, he's 18 now. And so when we're thinking about him at three, when we're thinking about him at, at five, that's, that's 15 years ago. 13 years ago. That's a long time ago. It wasn't really something that people didn't really look at ADHD in a three and a five year old at that at that age. Um, So I started learning about sensory processing and that started clicking. A lot of the pieces about sensory processing started falling into place. And as he was getting supports around sensory processing, I realized that he was really struggling with that impulse control And he really did not have any control over it. So there was no amount of conjoling. There was no amount of uh, bribery or rewards or consequences that was going to change that behavior. And that's when I realized it was part of how he was wired. It was something that he just that's who he was. And. And it was to a point where it was, it was quite dangerous. I mean, he would make some impulsive decisions that would hurt others or hurt himself on accident, not out of meanness, you know, not out of even frustration. Um, A story I remember very vividly is at four, my, my, his dad was in the back and was fixing the lawnmower and it was an electric lawnmower and he had it plugged in. Now, I don't know why he had it plugged in. But he had it plugged in. He was fixing the lawnmower, and my four-year-old saw him working on the lawnmower and went up to it and impulsively was like, "Huh, wonder what this does." And he grabbed the handle and turned it on. Now his dad had fast enough reflexes to get out of there, and it just was like it was it was a, a pretty bad break, like a, a like it hurt, it broke the skin, but it didn't like shatter his hand like it could have. Um, but I just it was moments like that over and over. He was super accident prone, um, or accident prone with others. <laughs> so like this he was at the at the receipt he was the um the giver of the accidents. <laughs> I don't know if that's the right way to say it. Um I kind of like that actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like he was he was, yeah. He usually didn't get hurt, but someone around him got hurt quite often because he was just impulsively doing something. Um, And he had no limiter to what he'd say, what he'd do, when he'd go. And it was really starting to kind of hold him back in what he was able to do in his day-to-day life. And so we started looking at more diagnosis and looking at, is this something more than just sensory processing? Is there, is it ADHD? Is it autism? And um, he was so highly verbal at the time, we couldn't get an AD, uh, autism diagnosis. So we ended up getting um, an ADHD diagnosis. We went through multiple different medication trials and we ultimately landed on this liquid medication and it made the world a difference. He is a different kid. And at this point, you know, he's 18 now and in the morning, he has this routine he does and meds are part of it. And if he tries to have a conversation before, I'm like, you haven't had your meds yet. We're not having a conversation. And he's like, okay, fair enough. And he goes and he gets his meds and then he lets it settle in. And then he goes, all right, can we have that conversation? And it's just far more beneficial for both of us. And he's able to access the tools um, he's able to slow down long enough to think through things and not be as impulsive. And it's just made a world of difference in his ability to, like I said, access what we were trying so hard to teach him.
0: Mm. Oh, I love this story. And I, I, I think so many of our listeners that listen to this podcast can relate to that journey. I even, when you were talking about at the start of this podcast about that kind of feedback, um, which from the the preschool or the school about um you know people giving you that negative sort of pushback, like you know you you either figure out what's going on, and that that kind of negative feeling make or negative feedback makes us feel like very isolated mm-hmm. yeah, can you tell us a little bit about how you go like advocating for him?
1: Well, I think at the beginning, it was you start to almost doubt what you know about your kid and what you have experienced. And so I think for me, it was really grounding myself in weight. Like, this is what I experience at home. This is what works at home and what is successful at home. Let's try it. Let's test it. Let's see if this helps here. Um, and and that's what, where I started with the schools was trying to advocate for, here's what helps him be successful in, in a bigger setting. Here are some, some things that help him with impulse. Here are some things, you know, and, and a lot of it was the sensory stuff. If we could reduce the sensory overwhelm, then his ADHD symptoms would be far less as well. And if we were able to Um, increase the sensory input as far as his movement and his ability to get proprioceptive input and that sort of thing, then his ADHD symptoms would also decrease some. And so he was so much, it, it was about realizing what worked, what didn't, and being able to share that with the school and then say, can you tell me what worked today, what didn't, instead of just today was a bad day, today was a good day but really getting specific and having them give specific language about what was working and what wasn't so that we could work together, I think was key in advocating for him. Oh, I
0: love that so much. And I think sometimes people just get really overwhelmed. Like they feel the judgment and
1: then they shut down. Oh, of course. I mean, there's, you know, we talk in, in our program and with Calm the Chaos, we talk a lot about what's called thought monsters. So these like these thoughts, these thoughts that take over that disempower you. And, um, and one of them is judgy McJudgerson. And so <laughs> we have, we have like, um, we have things that will combat them. We call them super swaps. So they're like the superheroes that come on. And, and so we have people when that Judgey McJudgerson comes on, we have you call on Womp Womp Warrior, which is like just turning the other person's voice into Charlie Brown, like want want Womp Womp Womp, womp, womp. <laughs> this is not about you this is about that other person's experience this is about the other person's belief system and what they are going through um a good friend of mine just posted on facebook the other day and she was like help you know my son does not understand that this kid doesn't want to play and so he keeps going and asking And he won't listen to me when I tell him that the kid doesn't want to play with him. He says, no, we're best of friends. And it just breaks my mom heart that this kid is avoiding him. I said, well, does your kid even know that he's being rejected? She was like, no, he has no clue. I said, all right, then what does it matter if your kid keeps going and asking this other kid to play? And because he's happy about it. He's fine. And she said, well, because I don't want the other family to think he's a weirdo or that something's wrong with him. And I was like, who cares what they think? Like, at this point, and that's kind of the what I've taken on, of course we care what they think, but there's a there comes a point where you have to love the kid you have and say, you know what, if you do not accept my kid for who they are, then maybe you don't deserve to have him in your life. And that's what I had told this friend. I was like, the people that that see your son for who he is, that accept the fact that he's going to knock on the door 10 times in a day, they deserve to have him in his life. right? The other people, it's all their own stories. It's what they've gone through. And you can't control that or change that. So why try?
0: Oh, I love that too. Now for the people that are at home and they're listening to your story and they're going, Oh my goodness, I relate. (laughs) Uh, What are, I'd love, I love some uh, practical tools because um, three things that they can do right now to help their family calm the
1: chaos. Yeah. So, um, so my whole book is just practical, tactical steps that you can take um, and it's one step at a time. And I know that you don't believe this and, you know, because I've listened to some of your stuff as well, like there's no quick fix. So I want to say anything that I share right here, it's not cookie cutter. It's, you know, um, if it doesn't work for you, I don't want you to think you've somehow done it wrong. Right. Um, So I'll give a couple of tips. I'll give a couple of things you can do, but then know that it's going to shift for your own family. So, um, I always just like to give that caveat because, um, so one thing that if you are in the same situation and you've got a kid who struggles with impulse control, who is struggling at school, who, you know, you're dealing with tantrums or meltdowns or outbursts and, you know, it's just, it feels like it's all day long. I would say that the first thing is that you have to have a plan for how to ride out those moments and get everyone to safety. And that is about your own reaction and how you show up, not how your kid shows up, because you're not going to change your kid overnight, nor do you want to fix your kid, right? Like that's not the end solution. And so before you can teach them and guide them and, and help them on their journey and advocate for them, you have to be okay with you. And so that is by like, just getting quiet, just stop, take a big deep breath and just remind yourself that your kid needs you in those worst moments. Just, you know, we call this an anchor, but just ground yourself with an anchor that helps your brain go, all right, you're not in danger. You're safe. You can get through this. Let's just get everyone to safety. We'll handle it. We'll solve it. We'll fix it later. Now is not the time. So that'd be my first tip.
0: that's a great tip that is a great tip, and I know a lot of our parents that also struggle with their own impulse control right (laughs) because we have like people triggering each other yes Yes. and and, and sometimes I think like my worst parenting moments have been when I feel the judge like I feel like the judgment of others like I feel like people are watching Mm -hmm. or waiting for me to react and I don't handle it how I want to because I'm thinking about what other people think I should do
1: Yes, I love so that, that. that. That
0: moment, that big one. Yeah, that moment of anchoring yourself, just like you spoke about, to mm-hmm. just bring yourself to remind yourself what's actually important in this moment. It's not really about what the other person thinks. The most important thing is my relationship with my child.
1: Yes, one hundred percent. And and to that point. Um, Having, If you know that there is a particular thing, I call them a chaos causer in the book, but if you know that there's a particular challenge or struggle that you're having over and over again, your kid won't do their homework, they won't put on their shoes, they won't go to bed, they won't eat their breakfast, you can't fix all of it at once. You have to choose the one that is... Is kind of going to ripple into all the others and you can't choose wrong. My, my people that I help, they'll, all, my parents, they'll say, well, what if I choose wrong? You can't. Right. Because every time you focus on one thing, then you're going to learn something about your kid. You're going to learn something about yourself. You're going to build that relationship. But by focusing on one thing, you can start to get forward momentum and you can start to actually get progress with your family. And if you're trying to solve it all, it's going to feel like you're never making any progress at all. So that would be the next one is just choose one focus whether it's hitting or it's the um it's yelling or it's not going to bed or it's electronic time pick one and stick with that so that and reiterate um your plan over and over again until you feel like you have something that's working excellent tip uh, yeah and I feel like
0: it's really great to give people hope as well like our kids <laughs> can progress <laughs> you yeah. Know? yeah. sometimes we get stuck we're like oh it's just always going to be like this but I know. And you know, now having an 18 year old, that things change new levels, new devils. That's what we say sometimes too, like things change. There's new problems that come up, but we can actually just handle one thing at
1: a time Yes, and, you know, and make progress like you you mentioned. Yes, Yeah. And if that, if you're working on that one thing, the other things will get better and they will change, but you'll start to actually notice the change if you're only focusing on one thing. Um, whereas if you're trying to do it all, it will feel like you're doing, you're doing it all and nothing's working. Um, and the other, just like small piece of advice I would give around progress is don't judge your progress based on your worst day, because we're all going to have bad days. We're human. Your kids are human. And so you may be making great progress. And then one day the bottom falls out and you feel like you've taken 10 steps back But your progress isn't lost. You just pick right back up and keep moving forward and judge it on the progress you've made, not on that worst bad day. Mm, I love that. And a, a little bit of self compassion as well. Like,
0: you know, like we're doing something that's hard, like parenting is hard anyway. Yes, And then we go and add, you know, some extra requirements in there and extra levels of intensity and, you know. Yes, I I really like what you just said. Now, is there one last little piece?
1: Yeah, I think, um, so again, one thing you can do right now is give yourself forgiveness and, and grace around what is happening or isn't happening. So instead of listening to this and thinking, oh, I should do that, oh, I would I I haven't been doing that. Oh, I I have so much so far to go. Just just remind yourself, like kiss your brain and be like, thank you, brain, for reminding me I'm human. Like I am human. I am learning. My kid is human. They are learning. And we've got this together. We've got this. So I think just give yourself that compassion um, that Sharon was just talking about.
0: Thank you so much. Now, I would love to just hear a little bit about your book, if I could.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So the book Calm the Chaos is a Calm the Chaos a Fail Proof Roadmap for parenting even the most challenging kids. So I walk through a four-pillar uh, framework, which is... What we found is it's a lot like ingredients to baking a cake. You need the same ingredients whether you're baking a really basic cake or a wedding cake. And that is that like flour, sugar, um, you know, egg and milk, right? Something like that is, is what you need to bake a cake. And the same is true when you're dealing with challenges and you're dealing with relationships and, and navigating parenting, especially with a challenging kid. And so this framework that we discovered and I discovered with my kid is four parts. It's connection, understanding, empowerment, and then you at the center. So it's that grounded piece, which is why a lot of the tips I gave you were, was that you piece, the thing you can control right now um, until you have built up a relationship with your child and built that trust and safety. And so with the framework, if the What I found is a lot of parenting resources out there. There's a lot of frameworks. There's a lot of do it this way, do it that way. And the framework is less about our way or my way. Instead, it's here's these four principles and here's how to adapt your situation And apply this to your situation and build off of your already hard won expertise about your child and about your family and what you already know and have experienced and couple that with best practices in neurodiversity and communication and um, and connection and relationships and. If if that's all I gave you in the book, I think you'd make tremendous progress. We've seen a lot of parents around the world make progress with just that framework. But what we found is when we broke it down into a roadmap where you apply the framework in small iterative ways. plans along the way it makes it so much more accessible and easy to work through and so that's what we've done in the book is there's five stages from ride the storm being able to create time and energy for yourself being able to diffuse the situation in the heat of the moment getting ahead of the chaos causer and then creating a family team that works together each of those stages is just divided out into that framework i just described so it really does walk parents baby step by baby step through how to go from surviving to thriving as a family and it's done because of my adhd brain and because of my struggle to read books growing up it's broken down into these little bite-sized pieces with lots of doodles lots of white space lots of list to make it as accessible as possible
0: i am so excited to read that as well i think it's going to be yeah i think it's gonna be really helpful to have those beautiful practical like it's like it's like a bit of a journey that you're taking yes. people through yes. yes, amazing now thank you so much for being on the podcast today it's been incredible to chat with you this, uh, this morning it has <laughs> been. evening for you <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much thank you Thank you for listening to this episode of the ADHD Families Podcast. If you loved it, please share it on your socials. I want this to start a conversation about ADHD. If you want to make this mum do a little happy dance, please leave a review on iTunes. If you would like to know more about what we do, check out thefunctionalfamily.com. I truly hope that you enjoyed this podcast and you use it to create a wonderful, effective joyful life with your beautiful children.